0: Thank you so much for joining us on Super Bracket Bros. My name is Jay, your host, and your personal Bracketologist. And as always, sitting here across from me. I'm joined by my co-host and your amnesiac resolver, Elias Stokes. How are you doing today, Eli? I've been better, Jay. I, I've been a, I've been better. Yeah, are you having trouble with your memories, Eli, well, perhaps?
1: Not, not only the memories, but I, I woke up and my right eye has been replaced with a revolver. Just, oh like, wow! It's just sticking out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> interesting, interesting. Um, so you have no no memory of this?
1: No, whatsoever? no, no. I was no. I was thinking about going on a you know a global adventure to try and solve it, but I realized I had to record a podcast, so I'm putting that on hold for the moment.
0: Gotcha. Okay, good. Well, I'm sure there's like I mean you've probably got like if you look in your back pocket, I'm sure there's like a phone number to a Swedish bank or an address or something uh, to that effect, probably uh,
1: right. Uh, yeah, it's a French bank, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a French subject. bank. Yeah.
0: Okay, ah, uh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, of course, of course. So silly the, me. The, silly the weirdest me, but, part, um...
1: that, honestly, the worst part of all this is I can still see out of my right eye. It's very unnerving. Oh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, is it like out of the revolver part or out of the it's like out of handle the, part? It's out I of mean... the
1: revolver. So my depth perception is just
0: screwed. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. Yeah, your depth perception really seems like the biggest issue at hand
1: here. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll get a look at after the recording.
0: <laughs> good, 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 good. Yeah, we'll get you set up. Super Bracket Bros. As everybody knows, we have great health insurance, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for having joined us on the show today. This is Super Bracket Bros. This is the podcast where we take 32 fictional characters, put them in a tournament against each other to see just who is the best of the best. And today, We have our final match of the round of 32. We are just, we are almost there halfway through season four, and we have an incredible matchup. We have our four versus five seed. We have Jason Bourne taking on Juzo Inui from No Guns Life, and I am... Incredibly excited to talk about both of these characters, and I'm incredibly excited because for our second consecutive episode, we are introducing a guest from the Wait For It podcast. Previously, having joined us in episode two of this very season, where we discuss Spike Spiegel versus El Mariachi, which I am definitely not salty about the <laughs> results of that to this day. <laughs> but he's also come out to discuss other anime characters like Overall and Tenya Ida, and now. That we have been baptized by the fires of the Overcooked Kitchen together. Please welcome to the show the incredible tomato-throwing and salad-ruining Mr. <laughs> Eric Almighty. How are you doing today, Eric? I'm doing
2: great. That was a great stream, wasn't it? Uh, overcooked is a lot of fun. <laughs> it was. It's a ton of fun.
0: Overcooked is a good time, yeah. <laughs> How are you feeling about today's episode? I'm so
2: excited to be here, Like honestly. I, I told you guys uh, before we really got started that this is- this was not something I was expecting, obviously. And when you reached out, I was like, okay, well, this is an anime uh, I hadn't watched yet, but it had been on my radar. I was already familiar with Jason Bourne, so I'm almost done. I'm basically done with No Guns Life, and it is an absolute blast. So I'm going to probably be recording my own episode on it on my podcast. So this kind of worked out, because I'm not (laughs) only excited about this matchup, but now I mean, I'm going to probably make some content out of this. So pretty cool.
0: amazing well i'm so glad that i could be the instigating factor to get you to watch no guns life because as we're going to discuss it's just it's just a great show like <laughs> it like it, it is more than just the meme of this tournament bringing in the guy with the gun head like no guns <laughs> life is legitimately a good show but um before we get too into the weeds on this if You know, the folks at home haven't listened to the Wait For It podcast. You know, I want to continue to allow them to get to know you a little bit better, Eric. So uh, we have a new question never before asked to any guest on Super Bracket Bros before. But I want to know if you could live a day in the life of any fictional character, who would that be?
2: So it's probably recency bias, but because I have started my journey into One Piece and I'm quite enjoying it. Uh, I would definitely I would definitely say Luffy, so I am like I'm just like absolutely enjoying the hell out of just the early episodes. and I understand that like depending on the fan you are, you tell someone, oh, when you get to this part, it gets good. When you get to this part, it gets good. But I've been enjoying it since I started it. So I feel like at any point, I could just pick Luffy and have a good time, uh, a cool fight. I mean, uh it could be literally anything. So yeah, recency bias aside, uh that that is gonna be my answer.
1: Eric, my man.
2: It's so this, good. This guy gets it.
0: <laughs> Coming through for the co host. Yeah, absolutely. I, Eli, do you do you do you agree as a one piece aficionado?
1: I, I, I mean I love the Luffy answer. Personally, I have I have I would have to think about it a little bit, but I think Luffy is just going through that world. Living as carefree and free as luffy and you know Mm -hmm. i i would just love to be rubber and just like fling myself into the air and land
0: and not get hurt that would be pretty cool are you worried about the whole drowning thing eric
2: well i mean yeah a little bit but i i mean you listen live life on the edge yolo whatever the kids say these days
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a common phrase on One Piece, right? Eli, they're just YOLO and all over the place, right? Yeah, the Gummo
1: Gummo no YOLO. That's Luffy's favorite move. <laughs> <vote. laughs>
2: that that was good.
0: Yeah, that was that that, that was good. Well, well executed. Um, oh man, okay, this is gonna be a good episode. Okay, so let's. How this episode is going to break down is the first half is we're going to be talking about both these characters, what they're all about, why we like them, where they come from, our experience with them. Then the back half, we are going to discuss who would win between Jason Bourne and Juzo anyway. Let's start on the more well-known half of this fight. Let's start with Jason Bourne. So Jason Bourne is an American black ops operative and an assassin for the CIA before losing his memories and having his life thrown into a frantic fight for survival. It is very much a story of Jason Bourne versus the world, with the amnesiac super spy trying to discover who he is and why the world desperately wants him dead. Bourne is capable of speaking several languages trained in many different martial arts and is a trained marksman. All that's to say he is your typical super spy, perhaps even a template for many other similar action movie protagonists, during this era of movies. Jason Bourne, however, did not start as a cinematic experience. He was first written into existence by author Robert Ludlam. Living from 1927 to 2001, Ludlam was a former U.S. Marine and an actor at various theaters in New Jersey during the 60s and 70s. He published The Bourne Identity in 1980 and would write two more books, Supremacy and Ultimatum. Of course, the version we will be discussing today is the cinematic version that has produced five films over the course of 2002 to 2016. Several directors have had their go at Bourne, with Doug Lehman directing the first, with Paul Greengrass doing 2, 3, and the fifth installment just six years ago. The series regularly received high praise for how grounded it felt in its use of practical effects. This, and of course, the portrayal of the character by one of today's most bankable stars, Matt Damon. Whether it's Goodwill Hunting, Saving Private Ryan, The Oceans Trilogy, The Departed, The Informant, or The Martian, Matt Damon has seemingly done a little bit of everything. The movies he has held a leading role in have earned over $5.5 billion over the course of his career. So, Eric, I want to start with you. What is your experience with Jason Bourne? Are you a fan of the franchise?
2: Uh, So a fan of the franchise might not be the term that I would I would use. I definitely will say there are moments that I'm a big fan of Uh, the movies as a whole quite boring to me, actually. (laughs) 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 But I am familiar with almost all of them. So probably like the first three to four films, Uh, the the first three films, actually, because uh, they ended up doing something with Mm -hmm. Jeremy Renner. And then Matt Damon just came back into the fold. so uh, yeah after I had my fill out of at about three, but I've definitely seen what I need to see out of the the subsequent films because ultimately I don't really know that there's much to go back to other than the fight scenes, which is fitting that Jason Bourne is in this tournament
0: yeah no, I'm in a similar mindset. Jason Bourne was never one of those franchises that was like, oh, there's a new movie. I got to go see it. You know, it it wasn't a must see for me. You know, it's definitely, it's a good time at times and like seeing him be a badass is always fun. But it, yeah, there there was never, something that never quite personally clicked with me, but I understand retrospectively sort of why these movies were so interesting for their actions because it really does seem like, you know, this, wasn't quite the father but it it introduced sort of a new era of more grounded effects that even like Jason Bourne you know the literary character was based off of James Bond the literary character but then like you had Jason Bourne in 2002 then James Bond a little bit after that you know almost definitely based off of you know some Jason Bourne action sequences but Eli what, what, what about you
1: I wish I could give more glowing praise, but I I'm in a similar boat of you guys. For the longest time, the Bourne movies were the ultimate TV in the background movies. I just uh, I always remember them playing on like TNT or AMC. Uh I was just scrolling <laughs> through channels, I'd play them, and I I probably have seen all the movies, but I couldn't tell you like differentiate e- either one. I did watch the first one in preparation for this episode, and I do have to commend it. I had a very good time watching it. Mostly because the action was very sparse, it was more of like a thriller mystery than a you know mm-hmm. straight to the wall action flick, and I really appreciated that. And you start, it was kind of like like you said, Jay, this is one of those like the Bourne movies sort of set the tone for spy movies throughout the next few decades. Before it was like you know the campy, cheesy James Bond and Mission Impossible's, which were sort of over the top. Here you have Jason Bourne, who represents this new sort of spy. Uh, you know you don't have the soviet union to fight against so a lot of the battle is internal uh betrayal you know people spy versus spy of the same you know country and allegiances so it, it brought that into a new perspective and also the introspective battle with born not just trying to defeat the opponent but figure out who he is uh you know far beyond uh you know, his agent code and the country he serves for it, et etc. So, yeah, I, th- I think I, I, as movie, it makes me want to watch the other movies to see how they compare. But I I do appreciate what the Bourne movies did for the spy, the contemporary spy genre. However, I will forever resent these movies because they popularized the stupid shaky cam. I hate the shaky cam. <laughs> I hate them so much. <laughs>
2: I can get behind that. Yeah, there's. I mean, that's the least of our problems with some of these things that happen in these movies. But it is a big one, uh, nonetheless. Oh like, yeah, it's terrible. It's,
1: it's just, it's just the thorn in my side. It, it's not killing me, but it, man, it's causing me a great amount of
0: distress. <laughs> so, I mean, are you not? Are you not a fan of the uh, Cloverfield franchise? Eli? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. does that just like send you into a panic
1: attack? <laughs> I should say shaky ch- shaky cam action sequences where, like uh, like when it's uh, a when it should be a kung fu fight where you want to watch the people just do cool things and there's a cut every half second, every, every uh, point and the of camera com- like yeah. swooping this way and that, or way. or just and, cuts yeah. to a different angle to show where the kick hit and then cut back to the fight. It drives me nuts. <laughs> but no. Jason I, I do like the films. I do like. I'm I, again similar camp as you guys. They're fun action movies. Not like staples of my personality or taste, but very enjoyable. You know,
0: I want to focus on on Bourne himself a little bit. So, first the first movie Identity came out 20 years ago and which is wild to me because i feel like born i mean it just shows born has been just around like it's just always been in like the background of my life <laughs> like you know like it's this action movie that's just like yeah it comes out every four years or so but you know kind of what makes born stand out from other action protagonists you know whether it's of the time now or or before him you know what makes jason born stand out well i think what makes him stand out is he is not
1: represented. It's not the male action fantasy, right? Like when you watch the, the born identity, uh, when you watch the born identity, he's not this suave, smooth talking, cooler than cool kind of guy. He's just this lost anxious puppy just running around. He has no (laughs) idea where he is or what's going on. Uh, and so I think that represents sort of the, uh, deconstruction of sort of the masculine, uh, you know, power fantasy of like a James Bond, this guy who's not in control, this guy who doesn't have the solution. He's actively trying to find solutions. Uh, he's kind of at the whims of, of you know, the world around him. Uh, and I think that brings about a different, you know, shade of sort of the masculine action hero that we're used to with, uh, again, James Bond, uh, sort of your John Wayne archetypes, the larger than life, you know, dudes who, punch and shoot things you know he he is very much like like in the movies uh especially born identity i i took note every time he uh throws away a gun or puts a gun back into a safe but takes like the money he very much doesn't want violence to be the answer as represented in the actions it's very much a reactive last effort thing so yeah i just think he's very he's he's kind of the deconstruction of that action uh male fantasy that we've seen popularized during the 80s and 90s
0: yeah, and I think that's what makes Identity special. Like, I think that's what, I mean, like, because the later movies sort of devolve a little bit, you know, like, they go backwards and, and sort of retread, you know, they, they just take, I mean, they have to, right, it's a sequel, so the action has to, like, escalate, it has to get bigger, it has to get more bombastic. But I like the first one because, I mean, it's not about saving the world, it's not about, you know, doing anything like that. Like, he's just looking out for himself in a really terrible situation (laughs) you know like being hunted by so many people but um yeah no i and and of course like i i got to give credit to matt damon's performance too i mean maybe it's just like i i've seen him be very good in so many other things So like i retroactively applied that to his role as jason bourne but i i still think he did a good job as jason bourne
2: You know, one thing I was uh, trying to look at really quick was kind of movies like Jason Bourne, because I know it's definitely been an influence. And I've got to say, it's kind of like Jason Bourne created movies like Jack Reacher, which didn't really work. (laughs) Mm. And then it also helped create movies like John Wick, which while I haven't seen it and likely will be watching all of them very soon uh, for one of our series on the podcast. I mean, people love John Wick. I feel like Jason Bourne, Mm -hmm. honestly, just like the style of it all, I feel like that's really gotten a lot of attention. I didn't realize how fast he was. He is... He is a fast dude. He moves quick. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he's got, like, a deep knowledge of himself, too. Like, I was just, like, him, like, listing off, like, I know I can run a half mile at this pace, you know, for this long before, you know, my body starts to absolutely, like, break down. You know, he's got, like, a deep knowledge of, like, what he's physically capable of, which is incredibly impressive. But, yeah, like, he's incredibly fast. He's, he's I would say, kind of shifty. You know, like, he's he's not, you know, the, the type you know whereas like a John Wick is someone who can like grab the grenade launcher and the automatic rifle and like gun down a bunch of guys like Jason Bourne isn't so much that like Wick definitely borrows some stuff but Bourne is definitely much more subdued you know much more spy-y rather than assassin at least you know in and the research I did even though there were lots in the YouTube videos I watched you know recounting the action sequences there were a lot of people in the comments mentioning John Wick that like uh, you know as this was an obvious inspiration for a lot of the action sequences in John
2: Wick definitely the action sequences but i was just going to say like as well like you mentioned the the kind of the spy aspect like the espionage part some people are into that i think that's what made it a little too boring for me but You know, the the espionage is like part of his whole thing. Like that's what makes Jason Bourne, Jason Bourne.
1: And I think that's so interesting, Eric, because I loved, I, I enjoyed the action sequences in The Bourne Identity a lot, but it was all the espionage stuff that kept me interested. I would like seeing all the the minutiae of, you know, Jason Bourne, you know, calling, you know, the hotel lobby to get a certain code, to break into a car, to get information. I, I I think if you, like, combine the total action in The Bourne Identity, it's probably less than, like, 10 or 8 minutes, honestly. It's mostly just running around playing this who done it, but, uh, like he's the one who did it, you know what I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like again, that's a
2: way to do it, I guess, but it, it's, it just does not sound like a like a great time. It definitely doesn't seem like a movie, even if I liked it, I just I couldn't imagine myself wanting to turn on a Jason Bourne movie and be like yeah let's let's sit through. Uh, an hour and a half of espionage and ten ten minutes of action scenes. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, not and and again, Matt Damon does fine. But maybe I don't know. I just I never also bought into Matt Damon as Jason Bourne. Like he does a great job. He's kind of iconic. But I don't know. It just doesn't. Like I have never watched a John Wick film. But I'm like Keanu Reeves, badass. Like yeah. Give me more. Give me more of that. I've never looked at Matt Damon Uh and been like, yeah, let's get more of that.
1: No. Are you telling me that Damon's constantly confused and anxious face doesn't scream badass agent? (laughs) (laughs) It does not.
0: All right. Well, moving on to someone who's not confused and very much a badass. Let's talk about Juzo Inui. We
1: have waited all season for this. I have waited
0: all season (laughs) to talk about this motherfucker. (laughs) Juzo Inui is our 32nd contestant here on Super Bracket Bros. He is a man who, in fact, does not wield a gun. And now you may be asking yourself, why? Why? Is he another character like Faith, an expert in disarming people? No. Juzo is here because he is a gun. That's right. (laughs) Hailing from no guns life, Juzo Inui is everybody's favorite anime gun dad, and his head (laughs) is a giant laser beam firing revolver. (laughs) That's right. That's right, everybody. Now, granted, I I now hear you screaming, well, that's way overpowered, Jay. Well, he can't even shoot his own revolver, (laughs) so don't worry. (laughs) But Eli presented Juzo to me as as a joke many months ago when we were deciding what characters to bring in, but upon finding out that the anime and manga is actually something with a little bit of substance, well, I had to bring him into the mix. Juzo is a resolver, not not revolver, resolver, <laughs> his world's version of a freelance enforcer. Whether it's detective work, protection, or any number of different jobs that need to be done in this capitalist dystopia, the primary distinguishing feature of this dystopian world is the extended. Almost everyone has an extension, whether it's an appendage, an eye, or any number of other organs. Extensions are used to save lives, but also take them. Juzo is what we call an overextended. He was created with the purpose of war. He is, what do they call in the world, a gun slave unit. Juzo first appeared in the manga in September of 2014, with the 13th volume of that manga releasing in December of 2021. The anime first came to our screens in 2019, with 24 episodes having been released so far. The series was created by Tezuka Karasuma, who published the series in the magazine Ultra Jump. Since his work on No Guns Life, he's actually set to work on a JoJo spinoff in the near future. The original voice actor, Junichi Suwabe, who has also appeared in series such as Mega Man 03, Bleach Black Clover, and even... (laughs) As if I didn't think it could get any better, as Shoto Aizawa in My Hero Academia... (laughs) (laughs) And the English voice actor is Chris Ryan, who has appeared in various series such as Assassination Classroom, Black Clover, and One Piece. I think every voice actor ever has had (laughs) a voice in One Piece, though, so maybe that doesn't (laughs) count. (laughs) As you can imagine, No Guns Life is not one of the most popular animes on the planet. It was rather tough to find a fan of No Guns Life, so I made one myself. (laughs) Eric, what did you think of No Guns Life.
2: All right. So, this is the second, this is the second (laughs) anime that I've watched in preparation for an episode with you guys this season. The first one being Cowboy Bebop. And I told you guys on that episode, like, yeah, it was okay. I'm glad I watched it. I didn't love it. I didn't expect to, but I finished it, you know. uh, No Guns Life, uh, unlike Cowboy Bebop, was not a chore to watch. It was so good (laughs) from the first episode. In fact, I would go as far to say that what I think you guys wanted me to experience with Cowboy Bebop is what I'm experiencing with No Guns Life. Like he's just so fucking cool. Like he's just <laughs> He's just so cool. He's so calm and collected and he's over here helping people and it's like kind of like these one-off stories a little bit but i don't know it just it feels a little bit deeper there's more substance like you said jay and i really love the show for that i also did not know about the the fact that there's going to be like a spinoff for jojo and and the guy that worked on this because i was going to say it's like a mix i've never watched jojo but the animation style kind of made me think Mm -hmm. of jojo and the noir like even the music in the background that made me think of cowboy bebop and and i like the mix and the tone that they do in this show this this was a hit for me i mean i'm just super excited that it was a show about a guy with a gun for a head <laughs> and that's exactly what i got but it was deeper it was deeper it wasn't that simple so it was it was a, a pleasant surprise and i'm super happy i watched it
0: yeah no Guns Life is I like I, I thought it was just gonna be a meme pick, but man, the show is good. Like I, I think just the combination of not of style You know, like, you have the noir, you have, like, you have the, you just have great action. You know, like, really impactful, like, really, like, you feel every punch, and, you know, like, I mean, I mean, we know what that revolver does, because it does get fired. He does need, like, a trusted companion in order to fire it, but my god, it's gone off just a handful of times, and it's devastating every time, and, like, you you feel like you know something significant. Has happened, and I love the lore. I love like the the backstory of Juzo. You know, originating you know as a gun slave unit, becoming overextended, doesn't know anything about his past. You know, the idea of being born, being bred to be a tool, being turned into a tool, and turning that around, and like trying to, yeah, and and trying to move on from. PTSD you know I mean like he's got you know serious issues from like being part of this this war and it's just because I think it would be very easy for this show just to have a guy with a gun head and then have this grim dark world and have it be serious but yet you have characters when they see Juzo they're like holy shit you have a gun for a head (laughs) 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 like they they actually react to the fact that like he (laughs) Just, like, the the fact that it's so ridiculous and, and it's referenced and, you know, made fun of and, like, and it has a good humor to it, I think, really makes the show. But, I mean, hey, Eli, you were the first to find this for me. So, I'm curious, you know, what, what are your thoughts here?
1: So, I like it. Uh, I will like it quite a bit. And it's because it's very reminiscent of one of my favorite movies of all time in Blade Runner. Now, I know, Jay, mm. you're not a fan of Blade Runner. But I'm not, no. <laughs> but but I think that's... I, I I think that's why you like No Guns Life over Blade Runner, in that Rick Deckard, the main character of Blade Runner, is not an interesting character. You watch Blade, you watch Blade Runner for the ambiance, for the mixing of genres. Juzo is what you'd get if you take that dystopian noir setting and implant it with, uh, and give it actual character and depth. I think you see, because. Juzo is very much a result of his environment. You see the you see the the emotional scars he he has developed through living in this world. You see the physical scars emblematic of his overextensions, you know, uh coming coming in the form of like a, having a literal gun for a head and yeah, it is fun seeing people say holy shit you have a gun for a head, but you can understand that like that ostracizes him. It makes him somebody that's difficult to reintegrate into society as sort of this trained soldier for war so i think i i still i mean blade runner is still in easily my upper echelon of of media uh, no guns life is i like it for it reminds me of blade runner if that makes sense it's an anime it's kind of an anime version of blade runner that is a little bit goofy at times, but
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I, and like they went from 10 to a, maybe a 11 or 12. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like they, they cranked it up just a notch. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And you know, I like the goofiness and like the humor of it all, but at the end of the day, it is like a dark story and it's, it's an interesting story oh, yeah. to tell. Like the fact that everyone, like there are a ton of people with those, those um, extensions and the way that they're like, well, I need it to be managed, and sometimes I don't have the money, or I can't go to this place, or there's corruption. So these, all these things that would happen in real life, like it made the the world feel real. Like, oh, this would absolutely happen in like a hundred years, you know, fifty, a hundred years, whatever it may be. And it just made it feel almost grounded for a show. Again, with a guy with a gun forehead. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought they did a really good job with it. Uh, animations just really, really nice and smooth. So it, it's a, it's, it's a fantastic show guys. If you have not watched it, uh, I, d- we're not really going to get into anything majorly spoiler, but again, like some things we've talked about, like the fact that his gun for a head, he can't just like shoot that. He needs to trust someone to be able to actually handle The revolver on his head so it's stuff like that and then also like the fact that in this world those extensions they take a lot of you know pressure and a lot of it makes you kind of weak in order to use all of that all the time so his solution to that is Mm -hmm. to smoke cigarettes like that's his power-up basically (laughs) that's his sensor (laughs) being how do you get away with that this show does it it does it so perfectly
1: uh, actually, actually, Jay, I have a question for you because I remember you oh, you you posted a picture. You rented the manga. Uh, I did. In no guns left. I have to ask you because was that the first manga you've ever read?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I post, I I sent you both a, a picture, um, and I said I just got all I got all the volumes from the library in one go, and I was going to read them all. And then the second picture I sent you. Was uh, a picture of my American ass opening to the back page of the manga <laughs> where it's presented me with a very nice note saying that I was trying to read it the wrong way. <laughs> you dumb American shit.
2: <laughs> it's so good. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I, I wrote to you, too. And I was like, oh, so they put that in there for you. <laughs> they put that in there for you specifically.
0: 100%. 100 percent that was for me but yes this was the first manga i've ever yeah i I mean i've ever read because i'm not even for my hero academia have i gotten into the manga um even though i love the anime and so it it was like i i kind of had the same problems with it that i do with comic books where i i tend to i i i read too fast and i think the 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 black and white you know sort of like Glossed over me at times, so I had to really stop and like look at it sometimes, and really not force myself to appreciate it. But I I did, you know, just because that's not a type of media I'm used to consuming. But I did really enjoy it. Like I really like when when suddenly it would be a full page and just like a couple lines of text, and it it just it it did hit in just the right way at, at certain times, and so I did really enjoy. Uh, reading it as well
2: yeah it's totally valid too uh, like I love reading manga now but it definitely does blur sometimes and you re- I have to go back I'll go back to chapters that I didn't quite appreciate and really sit there and like really pay attention to the panel so that that's a normal feeling but like again once I got obsessed with it like that's when I ended up reading all a chainsaw man and like just the visuals and everything were so fantastic and once you do appreciate it like there's nothing like that, except for a good anime, which again <laughs> is always the superior medium. But if, there's a lot of th- there's a lot of times where they get anime wrong, uh, and even with My Hero, uh, in the more recent seasons, I've enjoyed the manga much more than I have the anime, which is crazy to say. But once you get a sense of appreciation for it, it's hard to let that go.
0: One thing that I did want to shout out before we did we move on here, is there was a great video that if you're still on the fence about watching this show, uh, a YouTube channel called Mother's Basement, an episode called No Guns Life, Deep and Dumb, and uh, I think, you know, Eric, you said that you'd seen the video as well, and so I think that, you know, if you want a video representation, you kind of want to get a sense of the style of what the anime looks like, I would, I would recommend go check that out. I think that's a, a great way to kind of Get your pulse on the show, see if it would be something for you. But let's move on to the fight, shall we, boys? Let's do it. So, this is a fight to incapacitation, whether it be death trapping, unconscious, or forcible battlefield removal. We take these characters as they are, morals, ethics, and everything included. It's important to note that our characters know they are getting into a a fight. They start face-to-face in our random location and as far as that location goes, we have 100 random locations that we've been picking from all season long. So let's roll the dice and see where we are headed today.
2: Taylor's as old as time. True as it can be.
0: Eric, do you happen to be a, a fan
2: of oh, Beauty and the Beast? I do. I have heard of said movie. And I do do enjoy it very, very much. Why do you ask?
0: Well, we are headed to Beast's Castle. This is the... (laughs) Oh, God. I could just hear the music calling to me in the background now. I can already hear...
1: guest. Be a guest <laughs> <laughs> Are are all the are all the utensils uh they're not like alive through magic, they're just extended. <laughs> oh
0: god. <laughs> I f- I feel like this needs a uh, this has a YouTube video written all over it. The compares comparing and contrasting Beauty and the Beast and No like <laughs> the, <laughs> the utensils versus the extended. I think uh, you know someone with with more skills uh, in video editing can make that for me. But yes, we are headed to Beast's Castle. And, I mean, this is I mean for all intents and purposes a normal castle. I mean you you of course it's it's abandoned, it's downtrodden a little bit, but I imagine we're going to start this I mean you have to go to the most famous room. You have to go to the ballroom. You have to go to the dance floor right? You know this is where the big crescendo of the film takes place. So you have a big wide open area to start with, but you have a lot of nooks and crannies inside of this castle that you can get into. A lot lots of bedrooms, lots of hallways, lots of, you know, suits of armor, castle things. You know what I'm saying?
2: This is going to be so much fun. I'm so excited. <laughs> the one thing that refreshing myself on Jason Bourne that I realized is that he will pick up anything and make it into a weapon. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely anything. So, I'm just waiting for him to pick up Lumiere. And just start fucking Druso up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
0: poor Lumiere. Oh, no. I, yeah, I mean, there's there's not a, a sentient being that's not going to be used as a weapon in, <laughs> in over, over the course of this fight. I can I can see that for sure. Before we get into the fight today, you know, what we always have to discuss, and we've already mentioned this a little bit for Juzo, I think, is we have to talk about you know what armaments are they bringing into the fight. But um, let's, let's let's start with Juzo. Obviously, revolver for a head. He can't he can't use it. You know, I mean, the, there there's no you know roundabout way about it, but. I mean, he also has other weaponry.
2: Yeah, that that is true. Uh, The more important thing is, is he going to have a pack of cigarettes with him?
0: Oh, it's standard issue, right? (laughs) He's going to light it before the fight starts, obviously. Yeah, right at the beginning, right? That's (laughs) how he's going to kick things (laughs) off.
2: So, yeah, I mean, as long as he's got that, he should be good. Now, the real real question is, are we going to get all of these Beauty and the Beast characters there? Because you never know. He could build a friendship, and all of a sudden, that revolver, ready to go. He could get a hand. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> just saying.
1: Well, you, you get Lumiere gets bashed by uh, by Jason Bourne, and Juzo is like, "Hey, hey, Lumiere, you want to mess that
2: guy up?" <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying, you've you've got Jason Bourne with Lumiere, and then you've got Juzo with uh, Cogsworth. That'd be great. <laughs> That'd be perfect. <laughs>
0: I mean, I know I'm skipping ahead just a beat here, but I mean, the fight has to start with Juzo walking out, pulling out a smoke, realizing he doesn't have a light, and then just takes his hand, puts it over <laughs> Lumiere's head, right? I mean, he's got to use oh, it. And, the and Lumiere, like, flicks
1: his wrist <laughs> like it's a lighter. Oh, yeah. 100%.
0: <laughs> I mean, Gundad... I mean, he's designed to like recruit people to it. So like I mean, like I he's so lovable. I mean, like for for a guy with a gun for a head, like you can't help but like yeah, he's magnetic, you know. Like he's, he's awesome. But, uh, but yeah, I, sorry, go ahead, Eli.
1: I did want to ask, so with Juzo, uh he's ro- so he has this like chamber on his right hand. It's not mm-hmm. really it's not really a gun. It's more of like a gun punching glove (laughs) like am i understanding that
0: (laughs) that's my understanding as well or uh, that he only ever uses it when he punches and it launches like projectiles as he punches to punch harder i believe That, that, that that's what i interpreted
1: and the second thing in his left hand i noticed he has sort of like tasers that he shoots out so uh, that's another armament that he has. I don't think there's anything else.
2: Yeah, I think I think that's pretty much it. So he has that uh that revolver um on his right arm and he's got I'm pretty sure he's gotta put something in it. He's gotta put like a round in it in order to, to punch. So would we say he has a round or would we think that he possibly doesn't show up with that?
0: I can't imagine him. I not. think he would yeah. show up with yeah. that. Yeah. I'd say so. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, so then he's definitely got uh he's definitely got that that punching capability which is uh definitely you know maybe not as strong as Jason Bourne's one punch knockout but Hey, it's it's worth a shot. (laughs) Hey,
1: hey, Jason Bourne's probably rocking a a a ballpoint pen, and you can see what he can do with that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, he'll he'll show up with a gun. That's a but that's just like just because of the tournament. Like he's gonna drop that in a second.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he has to.
1: He has contractually obligated to show up with a firearm to the firearm tournament.
0: (laughs) Hey, so Jason, on the other hand, I mean, I mean, it's mostly just. a
1: pistol. I I like. I looked up Jason Bourne's versus wiki because we love the versus wiki. They're very, they're very.
0: It's a very, it's a love hate relationship. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but but they're
1: usually pretty robust with you know the information. And I looked up the standard equipment, and it's all like it's just eight different pistols, like semi automatic <laughs> pistols. So yeah, I think he's just showing up with a Glock. Um, I think you know in like some just basically civ- comfortable civilian wear that he can kick and punch in but no i th- I do think to eric's point born is definitely more of a macgyver kind of fighter he likes it, you know fisticuffs and using whatever utility he has around so this will, this will be an interesting matchup of two guys with with <laughs> with firearm potential who usually fight with their fists
0: <laughs> yeah i uh, will I mean, if Jason Bourne, if he's a super spy, he blends in, does he show up in like, you know, 1700s, like Duke attire, you know, like, <laughs> like very, very stately, prim and proper. Like, I I, I dig that. <laughs>
1: he's, just, he's just dressed up like Gaston. He beat up Gaston exactly. and took his outfit.
0: <laughs> so as we open up on the ballroom on either side, on, on each end, we have our portals. Opening up, we have Juzo stepping out on one end. We have Jason Bourne stepping out on the other. Juzo leans over to Lumiere, gets his cigarette lighted, <laughs> gets ready for battle. How does this fight break
1: Okay, off? the first thing that happens, Jason Bourne goes, Holy shit, you have a gun for a head. And Juzo goes, Jesus Christ, it's <laughs> Jason, Jason Bourne.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and
0: then
2: roll credits. <laughs> I feel like those are two contractually obligated statements that have to be made here. I, I'm 100% behind you. Oh, how long
0: you've been keeping that
1: one in your I've back been pocket. waiting this whole episode. I've just been waiting. I can just leave right now. I thought about that this me. morning,
2: too. I was like, I wonder, <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if we're going to start the fight off this way. <laughs> it's great. It's so good.
0: Okay, so does Jason Bourne shoot him right off the bat. I mean, and then does Juzo even bother dodging? I mean,
2: (laughs) Bourne's got to be the aggressor, right? Like he's definitely got to see a guy with a gun for a head and just immediately feel threatened. I feel like Juzo would definitely try to like, and and he does this in the show too. He just likes to like talk shit and he's like really chill and he's, and he's really calm. So yeah, no, I I think 10 out of 10 times, Jason Bourne's firing the first shot. Uh, Cause I don't think he wants to go up close to that man. So He's probably like backpedaling sure. and shooting. Like, it's what it. the fuck?
1: It's how I imagine most horror movies when, like, the monster shows up, <laughs> and people's first reaction is to scream and shoot. Uh, even, it, I, like, obviously, you know, Jason Bourne is more of the espionage agent than you know the the you know guns ablazing John Wick type. But even now, I think he realizes that th- I'm, he's facing off against what he'd perceive to be a monster. You know, so I think he's, I think he's firing and finding cover and getting away. Which I the Juzo, like obviously Juzo is a close quarters fighter, so he's gonna have to close the distance. So like like many fights this season, I think we're starting off with a with a with a rate a rat chase.
0: Yeah, I think the way that you put it, Eli, and maybe this is pretty indicative of how I personally feel this fight is gonna go, is the horror movie comparison. I sort of feel like this is gonna be Resident Evil. <laughs> <laughs> With uh, like, Mister X chasing oh, you yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> through the castle, <laughs> you know where like Juzo is extremely durable. You know, I I think that Juzo and the Terminator are the most durable, and you know you can argue one way or the other, you know, but I think one of them is the most durable fighter in this entire tournament, and I personally. And you guys feel free to disagree with me here, but what I don't think the pistol does much damage to Juzo, even direct hits. I mean, you're talking one; his head's a gun made out of metal. He, I mean, he's he's very sensitive about it, but I still get the the you know inference that it's durable. And then he also has lost limbs and kept fighting. So yeah.
2: I'd say I'd say Jason Bourne as he's backpedaling is more than likely being tact like tactical still. So even though he's backpedaling, he's Mm. likely shooting one in the dome, shooting one in the arm, shooting one in the leg, just kind of looking for a weak point. Because, again, all he knows is this man has a gun for a head, so he doesn't (laughs) he doesn't even know that he can't use that gun. So that is something that is foreign to him, right? So I would assume he's looking for a weak point or some type of weakness. And that's what I think works off rip works against Jason Bourne is the fact that he doesn't really have a lot of time to observe plan. Uh, this is a completely foreign person situation. Like it's not something as smart as Jason Bourne is. He can figure out in that moment, which is what causes some of the backpedaling. And honestly, you got an entire castle He could definitely get away from him to get a breather and just kind of catch himself up to speed like, okay, what do we know? He's got a gun for a head. (laughs) Bullets don't work. (laughs) He likes those cigarettes again. He can kind of of figure out again a weakness. And I would just assume, uh, you know, that he can come up with at least one weakness to exploit. But he's going to need time to think about it. And,
1: and, and I think a benefit for Jason Bourne is he kind of has this super computer quality to him. Because uh, as we mentioned in the first movie, he's talking about how he knows, you know, he can name off all of the license plates in the parking lot in the cafe he just walked into. He, he can do calculations in his head. And that's from being this sleeper agent super soldier who is sort of programmed to be this master spy. So I think there's a benefit where he's not reliant on like his cognitive abilities. There's some subconscious super routines going on that can kind of aid him when he, you know, in, in the state of mind is not up to task, if that makes sense, which, uh, you know, in this fight, which is obviously he's so overpowered. I think he's going to have to rely on instinct and intelligence to face off against an overwhelming opponent.
2: You know, my question is, does anybody here think that at any point he tries to go hand to hand with Juzo? Is that even something that, for a moment, he tries?
0: Well, I could see if he is afraid enough of the revolver. You know, he may try hand-to-hand combat. Because, I mean, Juzo, I mean, I mean, Juzo's like, what, seven feet tall? Like, you know, and he's a big, extremely muscular dude. But, I mean, Jason Bourne is also, I mean, he's taken down big guys before you know like he's used his his speed his martial arts you know to be able to take him down so i could see that maybe being you know a thought in his head i guess it depends if juzo demonstrates his strength you know if juzo like blows through a door and you know which he's totally capable of then jason's gonna be like uh nah <laughs> like you know like I, I need to figure out a different way you know i i think if he knows that then the closest he's gonna get to him is trying to pickpocket his cigarettes <laughs> it's just
2: yeah i was gonna say because i mean if he's not gonna get up close then maybe maybe this location doesn't help very much either because i'm thinking you know he's picking up you know silverware he's he's picking up plates he's trying to he's trying to kill Juzo with whatever he can get his hands on but i don't know is there any is there any advantage weapon-wise in this
1: location? I'm
2: I don't believe so.
1: I I could see him maybe uh improvising traps, kind of like dropping the chandelier, dropping Ooh. wardrobes, yeah. possibly possibly baiting Juzo into charging him and he leaps out of the way of a window and remember uh, Beast Castle is like on a cliff. So I could see I could see Born possibly, you know, you know kind of tom and jerry style you know uh getting getting him in like <laughs> tricking him into an, a disadvantaged position and almost like tripping him off the side to get a ring out yeah. so, it is
2: a disney location i mean it could it could turn out that way for sure that's yeah. it's uh, you know it's just
1: not safe you know it hey juzo is a gun dad parents in disney films usually don't do very well
2: <laughs> <laughs> That is that is accurate. That is that's very accurate. <laughs> yeah, you, you, that is technically accurate.
0: Yeah. <laughs> are you feel are you feeling okay over there with that that big stretch Reed Richards? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I certainly think like that there was possibilities, you know, I mean even if he tries to make inferences, and as smart as Jason is, like he's not gonna. I mean, like no one knows where Juzo's eyes are. Like you know, like he can't <laughs> blind him. You know, like he he can't do anything like that to him. You know, he could, I mean, potentially trap him by you know, like I mean, if he drops the world's biggest chandelier <laughs> on on top of him and tries to trap him that way. Even then, I mean, Juzo, he has. Classic anime tradition, a true form. Yeah. <laughs> that we haven't even touched on, but that creates an enormous amount of power that he can use to escape from any trap that he's in. You know, and the bullets not doing a whole lot there. I truly think that Jason is going to have to, you know, find some sort of like, you know, Tai Lee from Avatar style like deduction to like figure out exactly what Juzo's weak points are.
2: Yeah, the devil's backbone is uh is something that I think it's it just like we we definitely could bring it up but it's like I how do how do you beat someone with a true form and you're just you're just a guy <laughs> at the end of the day like I just it it, it, it is tough to kind of to kind of fathom and come up with scenarios but you know I do think more than like I don't think that there is a scenario where born kills Juzo but I mean I could kind of envision in this Disney castle uh, trapping you know forcible battlefield removal maybe even I don't I really doubt even unconscious I feel like yeah I don't even so there's really only two options here and it probably is going to rely a lot on traps is is that his specialty though Jason Bourne I, I don't remember him being much of a trapper
0: yeah, I don't. Again, think I, so. he brought a pen <laughs> to a knife fight.
2: That's 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 what I remember. Right. In
1: fact, hey, hey but he, he's good with a pen, though. He's he's very good with a pen. He's very good with a pen.
2: It should be noted. Uh, I also watched the staircase scene where this man managed to fall <laughs> like six stories <laughs> on the back of this guy he had just killed and just shrugged it off so he's very durable we should give yeah. born some credit here
0: i don't doubt that jason Bourne would be extremely capable against a lot of fighters in this tournament because i think for just a squishy human he does do or, and survive pretty incredible things you know i certainly you know I, I, as far as like what a human can do. You know, I I feel like he's right there with James Bond, if not surpassing him, you know, in, in physical attributes, in mental capabilities. But, you know, I have a hard time with Juzo who can punch through a speeding train coming at him that Jason's going to be able to find a way.
2: Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's a pretty fair assessment. I really think if you look at it, just at me and Phil's episodes, like El Mariachi, Spike, Bloodsport, Jin Erso. Like, I feel like Jason Bourne (laughs) against any of those, there's some wins there. And then there's some interesting matchups. Like, Bourne versus Bloodsport. Mm -hmm. That would have been like a really interesting fight to call. This one, though, is just like. Just a bad situation all around. I really, <laughs> I really did not imagine location making much of an impact here. And the more I thought about it, I guess this really didn't work out because I, I don't even think Jason Bourne can get all like, like if it came down to using, uh, you know, uh, strength and numbers and getting everyone on your side in this castle. I mean, Juzo's <laughs> probably going to get everyone, right? So it's like even more. <laughs> <Right. laughs> exciting because he's gun dad. So I don't, I don't see it happening.
0: So as we wind out the discussion here, how we decide the winner here on Super Bracket Bros is each of us is going to give an out of 10 out of who we think would win. Whoever receives at least two out of three or three out of three of our total votes is going to be the fighter that moves on to the next round of the tournament. So, Eric, do you have a decision in
2: mind? I do. And uh, location has only slightly changed my score, but uh, I'm feeling very confident uh, with Juzo uh, edging out uh, Jason Bourne eight times out of ten. And in fact, uh, the two that I counted for Bourne was he can either trap him or possibly Throw him off a cliff because it's it is a Disney situation after all. <laughs> and the second situation is plot armor, which Jason Bourne has a lot of. So <laughs> those are the only True. two situations <laughs> where I see a win for Bourne. <laughs> so I'm going Juzo eight times out of ten. yeah Uh yeah, this has been
1: a rough episode for old Jason, Mr. Bourne. Uh right from the get go where we were just like, yeah, oh, the Bourne movies are all right. Oh, man, but no guns live? Let me tell you about that. I
2: did, I did wonder how that was going to play out later on. I see. It went exactly as we, we went through the uh, entire progression of the episode.
1: No, you're, you're totally right, Eric. Kind of from the word start, Jason Bourne uh, is just in a disadvantageous situation. Like you said, I think there's so many other first-round opponents that he would have been so interesting of a fighter against, but I he's just so overpowered. If he was packing more heat in term maybe if he had like a shotgun, a sniper rifle, I think we'd have a different conversation. But he is so reliant on just ingenuity and improvisation that you know at some point when you go against a brick wall, sometimes you need to be able to punch through it. And Jason Bourne just does not have that heat. I am gonna give him I'm going to give him 8 out of 10. One win from, you know, some MacGyver trap, you know, shenanigans. The second win is because he's carrying a ballpoint pen. And that's it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he would be able to, with that pen, figure out, like, the one weak spot in, in, in a situation where he could just, like, hit it perfectly. And it's like it's like finding the hole in the Death Star. Like, he could do that theoretically <laughs> or, or, or or better yeah
0: juzo's gun head just pops off just <laughs>
1: <like>. <laughs> no what i was imagining is he breaks the pen over juzo's head because he doesn't like it getting wet
2: oh man only only in, in a disney scenario here what a great location
0: so I'm in the same mindset. I'm even, I mean, this is the most confident I've ever been in a four versus five. I'm going Juzo nine out of 10 times. I think Jason, I think he can get away with something. Specifically, I think if he pisses Juzo off enough, if he steals a cigarette, if he dumps ink on on his head, he could get him to launch himself off of the castle and away from the battlefield. That's about the only scenario that I can truly imagine here. You know, I think that Juzo, you know, we, we briefly referenced the devil's backbone it is incredibly powerful. He, and without that, he's already powerful. And, you know, we'll go on to talk about that more, I think, as the tournament progresses. But yeah, Juzo just too, way too tanky for, for dear, for dear Jason Bourne. I think Juzo was underseeded. I think Jason Bourne was probably even a little overseeded, but, um, regardless Juzo Inui is going to be the fighter. Moving on in the tournament, our Super 16 is officially set. So, Ooh. Eric, I got to ask, is this kind of how you imagine today playing out?
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, maybe not Maybe not at first, <laughs> uh, but definitely after I watch the show. And, and like I said, I'm super excited to recommend this to people. I'm definitely doing an episode on this on why you should watch, uh, which is a series we do on our podcast at the Wait For It uh, podcast. So I'm super excited to just tell people about it, talk to people about it. It was it was worth it for that alone, but I was really I was really curious how this matchup would go because I really wanted to see if we would be able to come up with enough scenarios to make this an interesting fight. It just every time we went to go do it, we were like, <laughs> yeah, no, that's not happening. It's not <laughs> not gonna happen at all. So yeah, definitely expected it to go this route, and uh, I'd like to just let it be known, uh, still undefeated here at Super Bracket Bros. So. <laughs> Especially because Phil's was like a asterisk. That was bullshit. <laughs> oh wow!
1: That was a that was a bullshit matchup. So I don't think that should count. But hey. <laughs>
0: Well, uh you can you can tell Phil that what? <laughs> a bu- a
1: bu- <laughs> Mr. Bullshit matchup. He picks the mech over the dude. <laughs> I also was I also
2: was uh talking to Jay about possibly going on the blood sport episode. So yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely talking shit for no reason. So <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hey, you talk you you gotta talk it when you can. I, I get mine over Jay whenever I can. Whenever
0: so. you can, man. <laughs> oh man, but as reference, that means Juzo is going to be facing the winner of last week's matchup where we talked Bloodsport versus Jin Urso. So that, I mean, it was a great episode. We've had, you know, two kind of lopsided, two lopsided wins, but I think that's going to make for a pretty epic Super 16 match. I think that's going to be absolutely incredible. So I can't wait for that. But before you go, Eric, please tell us a little bit more about the Wait For It podcast. Please tell our audience where they can find you.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, And, you know, you guys have probably heard us, you know, me and Phil have come on a couple episodes, but if you don't know about us, wait for a podcast. We pretty much have something here for everyone. We do a lot of stuff in the entertainment, gaming, and especially the anime realm as far as content. So we've done a lot here. We just actually did a convention. We had a bunch of people record in a live environment for a series we do called Intro to Anime. I also do a series called Why You Should Watch. Uh, blank in less than 10 minutes so I pick an anime and in less than 10 minutes I explain why you should watch it so next month more than likely as of this moment I'm probably going to do No Guns Life the Ancient Magus Bride (laughs) was the anime I did here in August so we've got a lot of great stuff we also are introducing a new series to the podcast which is called Late to the Party which is us going late very much so to a lot of series and movies that we never watched before so we're actually doing that series and funny enough the first one is paddington one and two yes. which you should absolutely watch as a spoiler <laughs> alert fantastic films and who knows uh eli blade runner might come up on it so just saying Uh-oh. i've never seen them and i know a lot of people love both of those films so who knows <laughs> not no <gel>, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah definitely not Joe. yeah <laughs> Oh,
0: man. But Eric, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. We always appreciate you having me you on. You're not not a disappointment. Once again, you're fantastic. So thank you so much for taking the time.
2: Yeah, for sure. Anytime. You guys just call me up. I'm ready to go.
0: Good to hear it. If you want to catch up with Super Branca Bros, you may have heard by now, but we do have a Patreon. We are... Putting out unedited versions of all of these episodes, so if you want a little bit more before and after, and maybe sometimes even in between, uh, you can definitely head to the Patreon, and trust me, I won't be offended if you just subscribe for a couple months and decide, hey, you know, this isn't really my thing. I I would still just love it if you came to check it out for a little bit, you know, think about it, like, uh, think about it like a, um, let's see, what do I want to say this week? (laughs) (laughs) Think of it like a cigarette. Think, think about it like a cigarette. Eli says, <laughs> I, I, it, it, "It's gonna feel good, but it is gonna take years off of your life. How about that? that that's that's what our patron is. <laughs> um, but a shout out to our current patrons, Andrew and Emily, for supporting the show. Always appreciative of them. They are helping keep the show. Uh, they're keeping the show afloat. Um, but one." Last special announcement before we close out today is now that we are officially at the mid season point. This was episode number 16 of season four. We have not one, not two, but three mid season bonus episodes coming your way. And they're going to be happening three weeks in a row. So the day that you might be listening to this, we're going to have an episode for the next four weeks straight. So you're going to get a ton of Super Bracket Bros over the course of the next month. Listening to this, we, we're we going to have one episode with a guest uh, with the Who Would Win cast where we are going to be talking an entire bracket and you're going to just just have to hang on a little bit longer to see <laughs> who those 16 characters are, but we're going to have a good time there. We're going to be catching up on season four, kind of check in me and Eli, see how things are going. But that last bonus episode, I'm going to i'm gonna leave you waiting on that one well, I'm, I'm particularly excited about that one but it's another just me and eli project um that I'm, I'm super excited about but um yeah you got three bonus episodes coming your way before we dive right back into the super 16 start talking about well uh, our first matchup's gonna be black widow versus el mariachi uh, so that's is, uh, guaranteed to be a good time but eli do you have anything else for the people be back i have to go buy some cigarettes (laughs) thank you so much for having joined us on super bracket bros on behalf of myself jay our incredible guest today eric and my wonderful co-host eli remember no true hero is a one trick pony